2: <laughs> well, he's a great fieldsman,
1: Philip Tuffnell. He often falls out and he's brought it into his batting as well. Hello everyone and welcome to the Vaughanian Tuffers Cricket Club podcast brought to you by The Telegraph. Ben Wright, Michael Vaughan and Phil Tuffnell with you as usual. Well, we said last week that this was one of the most anticipated Ashes series in years and boy has it lived up to expectation. From the very first ball on day one, getting smacked through the covers by Zach Crawley, right to the final frantic moments on Tuesday evening, both sides produced some incredible cricket and have laid down a marker for the rest of the summer. Unfortunately for England, they were the ones to taste defeat. Australia skipper Pat Cummins inspired his side to a two-wicket victory with an incredible knock to get the winning runs. The three of us will unpack the test and look at what England might have done differently. We'll also discuss what they could change ahead of the second test at Lord's next week. I'm delighted to say our guest this week is the former Australia wicketkeeper batsman Adam Gilchrist who'll be giving us the reaction from down under and more. And we'll be checking in with the telegraph's Nick Holt for the latest news out of both camps. Right, Mike and Phil, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm, I'm definitely gutted. Uh, I've seen England fans on Twitter saying they don't mind losing. I'm not there. Um, I, uh, I definitely mind. Uh, but I think I don't mind quite as much as normal. What about you guys? Yeah, I
2: mean, an extraordinary test match yet again um, under this regime of Baz Ball and, and Ben Stokes. It was just breathless test cricket every day um, don't mind losing well I think that might change that might change <laughs> if this series goes on it's an Ashes series isn't it after all and, and that's going to sting that England side when you're involved in a game like that that goes to the wire and you don't come out on top you know, they're all saying they're what fantastic test cricket. Yeah. You know, It's all great and all this kind of stuff. But that will sting. Believe me, that will sting. They were always ahead in the game. You felt that they were always in, in, in control apart from that last hour. And they just let it slip through the fingers. So it's going to hurt. They're going to go away. They've got a bit of time off now to regroup. But, uh, yeah, fantastic cricket. Great test cricket. Great for the spectator. But that's got to hurt. What do you reckon, mate?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually think it's the biggest cop-out of all time when people say they don't mind losing. Yeah. What a load of nonsense. <laughs> Absolute utter garbage. It's the Ashes series and it's about winning. It's about winning. It's about getting that earn in your hands at the end of the five-match series. Um, but the game and the spectacle was spectacular. You know, what England, and it was the way England played that that got us to that finale and and, and that drama of the last two sessions because they played so expansively um, they dominated the game, yeah you know it, yeah. I would say in a football match if you if you looked at the stats of this last week possession, I reckon England had sixty eight percent of the possession of the ball. <laughs> <laughs> it just seemed to be that England were pushing, pushing. And this uh, contrasting style, I I guess the old-school attritional way that Australia played worked because they just hung in there, they hung in there. And when uh, Alex Carey was out to Giroud, I think we all thought that was it, done and dusted. The new ball was also due. Um, But this Australian team and the number one team in the world and the Test champion because they they have a little bit of substance. They've got skill. Uh, they've got a bit of know-how, but they've got a huge amount of substance and particularly the captain Pat Cummins. He is a, an incredible cricketer.
1: We'll drill into the the England performance in a minute, but sort of first up, Usman Khawaja got 141 off 321 oh. balls in the first innings and then 65 off 197 balls in the second. That's it's some great batting, but it's almost anti basball ball, isn't it? It's sort of a ball kryptonite. He's scoring at... I've run every three
2: balls yeah no I, th- I think i think the second innings i know it sounds strange but i think the way he played in the second innings almost got australia in trouble in a funny sort of way he hung about and hung about and got them sort of behind the game so to speak but um you know thankfully they they, they rescued it somehow i mean i still can't believe it mike in football then how many shots on goal would have,
3: uh, would have England had? Oh, they had a lot. They had a lot on goal. Uh, the, the problem is um, Australia didn't have too many, but everyone that they struck went in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we had
1: a few that pinged off the crossbar.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I mean, it was incredible. And, and this England side in a year and a half under Ben and Baz have done exactly what they set out to do. They they set out to play a brand of cricket, a style of test cricket that's never been achieved before. They've done that. Uh, they'll continue to play the Baz ball way, the ultra-aggressive, expansive, entertaining way. Um, they say it's not about the result and it's about the process of performance. So people... Are going to want to watch them more. I will tell them now. They've done that already. Yeah, you know the audiences that were on on, on you know listening on the radio on the television really? this this uh, week were, were record breaking, uh, jam packed crowds. I've never had so many messages from people. Can I get tickets mm-hmm. for Lords? Can I get tickets for Old Trafford? Headingley? Um, if they're listening, no, I can't. Um, <laughs> impossible. But all I will say is they've done that. Everyone wants to watch them now. Now it's about winning. You know, winning the ashes. You know, this, this this movement that they've created in Test match cricket has been great, but we need to see them win the ashes. The England fans yeah. now want to see them um, just at times and, and I don't want to um, you know, kind of take the kind of take the put the handbrake on and say, Oh, you've got to play this smart way, the attritional way. It's just small parts of the game. And there's just certain elements of it. They weren't cricket sharp this week. No. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, the chances in the field, just a few little stats. Australia bowled four no balls. England bowled 24 no balls. That is not cricket sharp. The oh, chances yeah. in the field, the catches dropped, the stumpings. All right, we're pinpointing a little bit of Johnny Bester, but just not cricket sharp. So mm-hmm. I would say 85% of England's performance, if they achieve that at Lords with the sharpness with it, they're going to put under, uh, Australia under a huge amount of pressure. But I also think Australia will be better next week. Yeah. So I think the tactical side of the Australian mechanism this week was a little bit safe, particularly on that first day. That first ball, I see a cover point out on the boundary yeah. mm-hmm. to Zach Crawley. I kind of went, oh, hello. they've been spooked a bit by Baz Australia. And I think they'll be better next week. Um, Warner, Labishane and Smith between them, they only scored 80 runs between them in six innings. I can't think that's yeah. gonna happen again next week either. No. So I think Australia would be a bit better. And I just want England to just be that little bit smarter when they play out in the middle. When you've got an up, Phil, you you've been in, out there, when you play Australian, you get them you know, you get on top of them mm. and you get the chance to really get their noses and rub it in the dirt. You yeah. have to take that opportunity. And England didn't take that opportunity on a couple of occasions. No, I, th- I, th- I think it's sort of like Baz Ball with a little bit of brain
2: as well, training. <laughs> well, You've got to use your house. For, for a start off, I had a horrible feeling that when we won the toss, we were going to have a bowl on an yeah.
1: road. I was convinced that was going to oh, happen.
2: And I was just going, don't have a bowl... So, so, so we managed to get over that one. First innings runs, the declaration. Um, you know, we could have nicked another thirty or forty. Joe Root was absolutely flying, wasn't he? And and Robinson was playing it. You know, playing it so comfortably. And I agree with Mike when you get an Australia side that was visibly spooked by it. I mean, the fielding positions you had them by the what's it called do you know what I mean Short and (laughs) and Curlies Short and Curlies thanks Mike Um, and, and, and you just gave it back similar in the second innings you know Joe Root was playing beautifully then as a sort of a wild dark run down the pitch and get stumped trying to go for the big six Mm. you know just knock that for two let Harry Brook do all that he's the glue to this side and we could have easily got more runs there Um, you know and we just had we had had them we had them we could have won that Mm. game oh man and I nearly fell off my chair Mike I was doing commentary, first ball of the morning, Joe Root oh. comes out against uh, <laughs> Pat Cummins and plays the reverse sweep. I fell off my chair. I, mean-
1: <laughs> well, I saw quite a few clips of you falling off what your chair. You, of, you, you didn't spend much of the match in your chair. No, no. It was the same. Phil, you, you were the same with the declaration.
3: I'll ask you a question, yeah. Phil. Yeah. Lords, a week on Wednesday, a week today, England win the toss, the batting. Yeah, The three ninety-three for 8, Joe Root's 118, not out with 30 minutes to go in the day's play. Do you think, because I'm getting a little bit of stick I see on social media, because I say there is no way he would declare again in that situation. And the key is Joe Root 118. If the tail enders are in, I get it. Joe Root 118 not out at Lord's 393 freight. Is he going to declare, Phil? No, he is
2: not. And if he is, I'm going to go round to that dressing room and glue his hands to the (laughs) table. (laughs) though <laughs> no, he, no, he, can't. he can't clap him in. He can't come out on that balcony. First innings runs in an ashes when you've gotten by the short and curlies, as you say, Mike. You, you get every run you can. You don't just give it back to the opposition. Listen, they could have got a couple of wickets, a bit like the old school. We used to do that in county cricket, have a little half hour at them. Test matches are just slightly different. <laughs> when you've got the upper hand, come on
1: runs runs Mike runs so Mike you you were not a fan of the declaration
3: no it created great drama I I love that 20 minute period of Stuart Broad bowling to Warner the crowd were going nuts it it was spectacular and I guess you know England are trying to achieve these kind of moments but I I would say to them that they are achieving um the theatre kind of spectacle by just being them now So, so they don't have to over kind of think it and almost do things that are, are so out of the box that it looks like they're basballing all the time. They don't need to do that. They, they've set the trend of the way Test Match cricket should be played in this year with the style of cricketers that most teams around the world have. Um, everyone wants to watch them. Everyone wants to hear about the England side. So they've almost... You know, I remember in 05, it, it took three games for, for everyone really to get interested in the series. You know, it took... Well, I guess two edge basting, but... You know this England team at the start of this year, everyone wants to watch them. So they've done they've done all the kind of external um, promoting of themselves brilliantly, and it's been because of the of the way that they play. But I'll say, two of the last three test matches, they've lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've lost. They lost to New Zealand in the second test match in New Zealand. Um, you know, tactically, both by very narrow margins. But they've lost, Ben. It's about the win yeah. and the loss. It's it's high level sport. If it's just purely about. You know, if we're suddenly going to have a league table for teams that lose by uh, just just a small margin, <laughs> well, England and the last three ends are top of it. But it's about the win and the loss. Uh, and in an Ashes series, you know, I'd, I'd love to privately ask Ben Stokes about his emotions of the week. You know, how it, how, how it was different to, you know, captaining in, in New Zealand or Pakistan or against New Zealand at home, India last year, South Africa, because it drains the life out of you. Oh. As an Ashes captain, it's it's just a, a drain, particularly the first test. It's almost like you want to get to the second test and just breathe because <laughs> the yeah. first week with all the press, all the hype, all the build up, um, it can drain the life out of you. So I'd be I'd be interested to do, to see what Ben's feeling like. Um, England will make changes, I think. I think they'll have to.
1: Let's let's drill into that a little bit because obviously, Marion alley was was called in, hadn't played. We were talking about the difference between the. The mental side and how Basball has worked on that, uh, but you can't forget the physical bit, and that sort of came to the fore with with Mo and his uh, his index finger, Phil.
2: No, absolutely, and once that goes, it's a long road back. I don't think we'll see him for a couple of test matches. That's going to need time to heal. He bowled. He bowled well. He bowled all right. You know what I mean? He bowled some good wicket taking balls. He could have had four or five in that first mm. in but then once that finger goes mate you're struggling every time you can't get that feel on the ball you can't get that fizz. you're called a finger spinner for a reason <laughs> yeah. if you haven't got any fingers you're not a fingers and it, and it, have you ever had that issue yes i have yeah and it splits and i mean i think that's more of a blister but i mean I had mine where they've split the skin and every time you go to bowl it, it just it you, you, you can't get get any feel or touch or loop or dip. You know what I mean. That's how you get your yeah. that's how you get your ribs and what have you. So it, listen, he it, it, it did he did a manful job even being able to bowl because that is you know it is horrible. It's horrible. But um, uh, yeah, I, I don't think we'll be seeing Mo. So who are we
3: pulling yeah. in? I'm not quite sure. I think I think Ray and Ahmed. Do just think? Mm-hmm. Ahmed? Yeah, it could be Rayanne, it could be Liam Dawson. Um, with Joe Root bowling so nicely as an off-spinner, you know, Will Jacks probably wouldn't be my choice because I think Joe Root can do um, the off-spinning role. He did it very, very well yesterday at Edgbaston. Uh Yeah, I think they need um, a spinner that can take it away from the right-handers outside edge for a, a Rayan Ahmed or a Liam Dawson. Liam Dawson would probably be a bit safer. Yeah. Um, so you think they'll probably go with Rihan Ahmed because they like, they like the risk... Uh, this England team uh, we'll have to wait and see. I think they're going to give uh, Mo and Ali four days um, just to save that finger but we know Phil that, that, that'll just come back as soon as he yeah. starts yeah. bowling yeah. the one thing that stood out for me and, 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 and we've all spoken about this England side's lack of game practice you know they decided to go on a golf trip um, to Scotland I'm all for that great culture have a bit of fun but I was Crying out for them just to play two days of the county championship round leading into an Ashes series. I just thought they should have all played Sunday, Monday, get themselves back into cricket, arrive at Edge Baston Tuesday, practice Wednesday, Thursday, and get into the uh, the test match on Friday. Because the one player that stood out for me with the ball in hand who was leaps ahead of everyone else, Stuart Broad, yeah. And Stuart Broad has been bowling, he's been playing cricket, he played in obviously the test match against Ireland. And I just felt, uh, uh, you know, Jimmy, Ollie took a little bit of going off. They did a reasonable job in the end. they did a a really good job, really, on a a placid, docile Mm -hmm. wicket, you know, to think they'd created so many chances. Um, You know, we can't be too critical. But I just thought they were just lacking a little bit of that game sharpness uh, for a day or two. And uh, Stuart Ward was head and shoulders above them all in terms of what he delivered. And he's been playing cricket.
1: And he looked exhausted, didn't he? I mean, there were a couple of times he was down on his haunches, you know, breathing hard. Yeah, no, well, well for sure. It was, oh, we, we were
2: all exhausted. The crowd were exhausted. <laughs> Everyone was absolutely knackered, mate. I tell you, it was five days of every ball seemed to have the ashes urn on it, if you know what I mean. Mm.
0: Every
2: or yeah. every wicket, every leave, every just everything was just... Just breathless i mean it was it was a it was it was an extraordinary scintillating test match mike uh, what are we what are we doing about the wicket keeping situation does ben folks does do we win that game
3: if ben Folk is playing well you, you've got to look at Johnny's runs in the first innings oh yeah um, sure. yeah seventy eight from seventy eight um would ben fokes Sto- folks have got seventy eight of 70? probably not but he, he could easily have still got a fifty yeah you know, he could easily have got a few runs. He's uh, in good form for Surrey. Well, John um, plays I, I, Mike, Johnny, Johnny's still in the Yeah, job. John, you're not changing after one game. I mean, England in- will look at um, the whole game situation and they should have won the game. You yeah. know, they should have won the game and they should have won it even though they dropped so many chances and, and gave op- op- opportunities to the Aussies. But um, no, they won't change the formation. I don't think they should. But it's certainly going to become more noisy. This is where... Ashes cricket in particular is the hardest series to play in as a player because over the next, I haven't seen the papers today, but I'm sure the comment pieces over the next few days, there are bound to be journalists that will write that Ben Folk should be playing at Lords. Yeah, Without sure. any question, there will be journalists and people out there thinking that England need their best uh, wicket keeper. They won't change it, but they'll certainly have to look at it. If they're going to play on flat wickets and the keeper's going to be stood up a lot to spin, and sometimes to seem, um, and it's going to be quite low. Into, you, you do need a really good gloveman. You really do need someone behind the stumps who's going to be uh, very consistent. Uh, look, Ben Fox has played for England and dropped balls before, so you know yeah. keepers do, they get the most chances, so they do drop chances and they do make mistakes. It's just the nature of the beast. But um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Lords now, if there was one venue um, that England would want to go to, 1-0 down, to try and boost themselves to get back in the series, I reckon Lords would be at the bottom of the list. That's all I'll say because I, the reason is this baseballing team—they thrive off the energy of the crowd, the noise. It's like the football crowd, you know. That's what this team seemed to thrive off. Lords won't be like that. Lords <laughs> yeah. will be very like, not quiet. It'll be that hum, that buzz. Uh, there'll be a bit of singing every now and again, but it'll be nothing like the Holly Stand. And the Aussies have a pretty good record at Lords. <laughs> they play some decent cricket there. So I think of all the venues that uh, you wouldn't want to be going to try and get back in the series from an England perspective, I think Lords would be uh, probably be that venue.
1: Talking of the Holly Stand, uh, Phil, what was your favourite chant coming out of the Holly Stand? Just yes, it was just kicking off.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I started. I started singing along on the commentary as well. I mean, it was just, it was rocking from ball one. It does not stop. The atmosphere is great. It really is. I I was speaking to Mo, actually, and uh, he said that he's played in IPL games with, you know, four times as many people there. But he said that atmosphere was just electric. You know what I mean? Every single Paul oh, Stuart Broad was whipping them up, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, come on, come on, come on! So they do thrive on it. I mean, it was it was just a smashing test match. I can see England coming back into it. I can see. I mean, I, I think if England had just got their had got their noses in front on that test match, it would have been such a boost, and I could have seen the Aussies struggling a little bit. I really mm-hmm. could have. But now they've got their noses in the... In. yeah. I can see, as Mike said, they're going to get better. I can see England having opportunities. They'll always have opportunities to
3: win test matches because it's, it's just the way they play. They've just got to take them. I, I thought that the, the song, Ben, the, the song that really amused me all week was when the England fans were singing to the Aussie crowd You're not singing anymore. Now, the Aussie crowd, I don't want to be disrespectful, but they're all about 85 years of age. They (laughs) they can't sing. (laughs) I think the the other one was, what was it? We saw you
2: crying on the telly. We we saw you crying on
1: the telly. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I, I quite liked uh, where's your head at, Basement Jacks. Yeah, to, uh, to Travis Head. Head. Yeah, he, he
3: he he had a bit of fun with them, uh, Travis Head, because he had a he had a stinker of a first day on the boundary. He dropped one. He was fun with them. He was diving over the top of them. He then went to the hotbed of fielding in front of the Holly yeah. stand, and they they gave him plenty. But he seemed to uh, know how to deal with it. I think the and i will seriously I think the Australians have probably talked about how to kind of get involved yeah. with the England crowd. Yeah, you know, go and kind of rev them up and. Give them a few uh, thumbs up and just be nice to them. And, and, and you know, we, we all like a bit of banter and a bit of fun. So yeah. um, I think Australia will have talked about how to to deal with the England crowd. Yeah, that remember that that, you know, Edgbaston historically, that's where
2: England performed, you know. England used to mm-hmm. perform them. So for them to come in their first Test match you know, with the crowd, you know, with everything, baseball and all this kind of stuff, for them to come away with a victory, they will be yeah. absolutely cock-a-hoop.
1: Yeah, there was a bit of niggle as well. Uh, mm. We had Oli Ollie, Ollie Robinson, uh, are you a fan of that?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Why not? I mean, this is an Ashes Test match, you know what I mean? And you're out there. We were talking about Usman Kawaja. We might be seeing a lot of him as well. I mean, yeah. he just he looked so comfortable. Cool, calm, collected, uh, never rushed. Seizes on that short ball. They're going to have to find a little plan to make sure they get him out. So when you've been in the dirt and he's on 160-odd and you get him out, well, there
3: you go. It's a little bit of dance answer that is, you know get on with it. Yeah, I think the first thing to stress is I don't think the Australian players nah. were, were put back by what Ollie Robinson did. They just kind of take it as part of being in an Ashes series. I think it was just the journalist; It's a story. Uh, it probably gathered more traction than it would have done back in the day. Um, Ollie Robinson, I, I really admire the, the fact that he's, you know, he's, he's a young bowler in an Ashes series, really. He's not played too many ashes test matches he bowled well in australia last time and he's trying i i would think that he's probably taken um what do they call him in brisbane stuart broad on on the front page of that brisbane gazette remember when they they completely they they wouldn't name him after him not walking at trent bridge all those years ago Uh, and he's like the villain in australia stuart but i think ollie robinson's taken over his mantle (laughs) I mean, Stuart Broad has a huge amount of respect in Australia. He is Mr. Ashes. He's he's phenomenal. I think that uh, that villain now has gone to Ollie Robertson. So, um, yeah, he's got a few more Ashes series to play. So whatever yeah. happens in this series, um, when he goes down on the next time, I think he might be the target for the Australian crowd. And I, and I think he's got a few more bumpers to face as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Make sure you get that chest pad on, Ollie
1: boy. We mentioned Pat coming briefly uh, earlier, but, uh, but what a game. Uh, I mean, I saw something on social media where all the England pairs were were asked which Aussie they'd most want in their side, they all said Cummins. Yeah. Uh, and you can see why. It, he's the, the guy's got ice in his veins. He's, yeah, he's
2: class. Yeah, he's class. He's class and showed it with the bat. He's only, only averaging 15 with the bat, Mike. It's... Mm. Said- That's cricket. I mean, he's a better player than that, and we all said that when he walked in. Um, That will do huge amounts for his sort of confidence, the way that they've come over here, and they're going to set their stall out. You know, when the skippers do well, the whole sort of side, you know, sort of get in line and follow behind him. Great with the ball. Bowled a fantastic spell. That ball to get Oli Pope out. I mean, what? what? the ball of the match. Yeah, ball Mm. of the match. Uh, leads from the front with bat and ball And uh, yeah, one of those fellas that you just want in your team
3: Yeah, I, I, I was um, think, obviously he gets him over the line and, and my mind triggered to, you know, the ball that he bowled to Ben Stokes At Headley in 2019 He bowled that yeah. ball, Ben Stokes hit it away And now he's out there in the middle as the captain of Australia yeah. uh, Seeing his team going 1-0 up in an Ashes series His bowling in the second innings was head and shoulders above I mean, Stuart Broad pretty close at times, but head and shoulders above everyone else. He's just uh, an incredible cricketer. He's got that real calmness. He's got that real nice persona, but he's got the inner steel of of, of Pat Cummins. I'll tell you what was a nice touch at the end, um, and I noticed a lot in the modern era. It did happen in our time, Phil. Mm -hmm. um, You know, the Australians win, they're celebrating. Pat Cummins went into the the dressing room, got his pads off. And straight away, um, he called his father. He lost his mother uh, just a few months ago. And straight away, with his father in the dressing room, just having a, a bottle of beer together, you know. And and that's what you know. The team seem to do more often these days is get the families involved because it is the players that obviously get the victory. But it, it's more about what goes on behind the scenes and to see all the Aussies with their their kids in the dressing room. But that that one moment where I just I looked up and I saw Pat with his dad and just. Clinking a, a bottle—I don't know what the beer was—but they were clinking a bottle together, and I'm, I'm sure just toasting, um, you know, Pat's mum um, that yeah. she couldn't be there. But the, seeing things like that, I—I I, I don't know, Phil. Did you ever? Did you ever have any of your family into the dressing room? I can't remember my <laughs> yeah. family ever coming in. <laughs>
2: we weren't even allowed wives on tour, Mike. <laughs> 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 We were banished to Australia for four months and not allowed to see anyone ever. No, they they thought it would be against team spirit and and (laughs) things like that. It created a few things, but it wasn't cliques, I can assure you. But what, what about Nathan Lyon?
1: Nathan Lyon. Well, yeah, you, you talk. You talk about uh, coming, to, exercising some ghosts uh, from from Headingley, 2019. Yeah. Obviously, he was there with <laughs> at the end with Nathan Lyon. Yeah,
2: exactly, and, and that just annoyed me a little bit as well. That <laughs> <laughs> annoyed me the way we played him as well. We had oh, yeah. everyone on the boundary. Everyone. They, the only thing that that pitch was doing was spinning a little bit. You know, it was spinning a little bit. And Nathan Lyon, 500 test wickets, absolute, you know, fantastic off-spinner, bags of experience. And then he said, Joe decides to come down the track and try and hit him for six. Johnny, the only way he could get him out was LBW, and he decides to play the reverse sweep. So just little things like that have given Nathan Lyon that sort of foothold. You know, they had him on toast. Mm. They had everyone on the boundary. I've never seen fields like it, you know what I mean? Mm. And we just kept going and keep just just handing back the initiative a little bit when, you know, just knocking for twos and threes or, you know, when the bad, still be positive, but just don't give them that sniff to get back into the game. <laughs> and then he comes out with the bat. Well, Mike, I think you said on commentary, he
3: thinks he's Gordon Greenwich, doesn't he? The way he okay. is. <laughs> Yeah, he loves, the, he loves the, the, the left leg up and the little pull shot. I mean, Stokes nearly took a, an incredible catch. But, oh, I think, I think Ben, when, when you're in a game like that as a captain and it's so tight and you end up not winning, Ben last night would have been tossing and turning in his bed oh. about tactics and field settings. Should I have bowled Jimmy Anderson with a second new ball? Should I have gone more orthodox? England took the second new ball. Uh, they had one slip. Yeah. One yeah. slip in the field pretty much spread there was a third down There was a ring field on the offside square leg on the boundary and he'll be thinking and he said now would it have been better to go fourth fourth stump line full of length with a with a cordon uh yeah a ring field to stop the boundaries but um, all these kind of ideas and thoughts will be going through the captain's uh-huh. head because ultimately it, it is about the w when you get to that stage it's about the win or the loss um you know, I, I, people kept on asking me about, you know, such a similarity between the 05 game at yeah. Um You know, you need that element of fortune. You know, you do. Because when he had the field spread, um, I was thinking, come on, bring a bring a, a fielder or two up. You know, don't give Cummins an easy single. Don't give Lyon an easy single. And then I thought, so... But, Wait a minute! I did that in '05. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did that. Um, so it's it's that fine balance. Um, they did get opportunities that catch, uh, but with that second new ball, the one thing that, that's still glaring with me today is Jimmy Anderson, our greatest ever. Yeah, where was he? Our greatest ever yeah, did, I... did, didn't bowl one over with that second new ball, and that has to be a mistake.
1: So given the result, we couldn't just have a bunch of Englishmen sitting around nattering about it. So I'm glad and delighted to say that we're being joined by the Aussie legend, Adam Gilchrist. Hi, Adam. How are you? And uh, how much did you enjoy that match?
0: Uh, Yes. uh, Hello, gentlemen. Uh, Look, enjoyed it. Yeah, clearly enjoyed the result. But uh, I think everyone can agree, you put that aside, it was just phenomenal cricket. Brilliant cricket, led I think by England's attitude and approach, uh, Australia under Pat Cummins just, to me, it looked like they were, they were just holding on as tightly as they possibly could, almost in the jet stream of, of England for most of that game. And then for the last 10 or 15 overs, all of a sudden, um, Pat Cummins almost single-handedly just clawed them back into it and, uh, and got them nose just out in front as they, as they both passed the finish line. So, uh, Wonderful, wonderful Test match. It's going to be a famous, um, a famous Test match that goes down in history, and and of course um, rekindles some extraordinary memories of two thousand and five, uh, which I, I felt thrilled, uh, honoured to be a part of that O five series, even though it didn't end up our way. But geez, it, it conjured up some amazing memories. Uh, Gilly, um, hello,
2: mate. Um, hey, buddy. Hello, mate. Do, do, do you think Aussie will feel that they've nicked that one or do you think that they will feel they deserve to win that one? Uh,
0: look, I reckon I, I hear what you're saying, Toughers, and I would think that internally they probably felt that they were in the game all the way. They were they were doing what they had to do, almost like a holding pattern against this. And, and I know that uh, there'd been a lot of quotes and a lot of, I mean, Tell you what, leading into that test match and into this series, if you were a former cricketer and hadn't been asked for a quote, you, you, <laughs> you, you, you must be you must be passed away. Like because like how much commentary was there pre-series oh. and pre-test match from all of us, all us old washed up folks. Um but the baz ball was a topic and you know there's plenty of deniers out there, but it was evident in full display on day one. And I think the Australians Whilst they, you know, continue to say, Oh, let's see them do it against our attack. Well, they did do it against our attack. And, but as I said, the, the Aussies will feel like they had a holding pattern that allowed them to stay in the game. They didn't get blown out of the contest. And then obviously it was enough to then go and achieve a victory. Uh, so, um, I think the Aussies internally probably felt they did enough to warrant a victory, but externally it probably looks like they, it's one that just slipped away from England uh, and they'll be the ones that are probably smarting uh, at the end of the day.
3: Uh, uh, Gilly, um, good morning, good evening to you uh, over morning. there. Um, the, the reaction over here, I mean, the the, the, the kind of uh, the papers have all three or four pages deep in Ashes. Yep. Kind of Excellent. headlines, news. That's good to, good uh, to hear. R- record numbers listening on the radio, uh, watching on the telly. What What's the reaction been in Australia just for over the last few days? Uh, th- through through the series,
0: uh, I think. Again, the theme of you know England's approach. Uh, there's been a, there was I think a, a bit of a negative sentiment around what the Australians were doing and, and how they were going about it, to an extent. Um and it just I think well I'll, well actually now that I really think about their headlines, Ollie Robinson's become public enemy number one. Um <laughs> yeah. and, and and I don't just that that was before the victory was achieved. So that was just simply after the send off. So um which I do think uh and you know what it's like, guys in the change rooms, the Aussies would be going, Oh, you know, Went uh, sticking up for their own teammate, you know, looking after Uzi, but they didn't come out publicly and say anything. And and they fight fire with fire out on the field. And it was more a press intrigue with that one, wasn't it? That it almost felt mm-hmm. like the Aussie press were trying to conjure up some sort of action against Ollie. Or, um, but anyway, that's uh, only they know what they were trying to do. But uh, today, clearly, um, yeah, maybe an element of surprise, like, wow, what a win, amazing. But they're, I think, a touch of surprise that they're able to do it because history was stacked against them, wasn't it, uh, leading into that uh, at the back end of that game. So uh, it's a famous victory. Um, but, wow, you know, momentum now. They've just won a World Test Championship. That's a really good feeling. They claw a tight one and get a hold of that. So who knows where it goes now. And and traditionally, Lords has been a pretty decent hunting ground for Australian teams and touring teams because uh, it's such a special mm. occasion, so yeah we we'll, we'll have to wait and see
1: and and they've got it done without the batting big guns firing yeah. really
0: yes yeah yeah it's a good point Ben. um yeah it's not often that both minus and Steve Smith failed twice, um or you know they weren 't sort of getting knocked over for a duck every <laughs> all all four innings, but uh one on one occasion, <laughs> but uh look it was you 're right It's it 's it's, it's not often that they um don't contribute something. And I guess that's where the Aussies can take comfort. Uh, I mean, Usman, this is, you know, he's come out and said, and I think everyone, you know, had the focus on Warner leading into it. Does he play? Does he survive the series? Well, Usman had some demons from previous Ashes tours that he needed to exercise. And I think he's done that well and truly. So, yeah, that that's a positive in that if you're playing scrappy cricket, or in any sport, if you're not at your best, but you're still finding a way to win, you're pretty happy with that. Yeah, yeah, that's a worry.
1: Yeah, and what about, I mean, we talked to you about the discussion about baseball in Australia in the lead up to this series. It's now a little bit different given that the Australians are playing against it. Yeah. Um, what, what what What's the sort of general reaction? Because, I mean, as uh, an English supporter, I'm used to the Australians being the alpha dogs, and us clinging on in the slipstream yeah. and occasionally nicking one. And as you say, that's kind of what Australia's done. So the, there's a bit of role reversal going on. That can't be hugely comfortable.
0: Oh, I have no drama with it, really. Um, <laughs> I, I really don't. And, uh, you know, it's not the way I personally played my cricket, but I don't say that in a detrimental way. We, we might find out at the end of this series when Australia released their documentary of the fly on the wall stuff, which all teams do now. Um, they might have the butcher's paper out last week saying, let's just hang on. Let's be negative. Let's, you know, this might be their perfect match plan that they planned and really sat down and, and, um, put some thought to. So I guess you can't judge it until the end. Well, in this game, you couldn't judge it until the end of the game. What do you do? Yeah. You say it's 1-0 uh, without being too over the top with it. Well, let's wait and see at the end of the series if they keep it up. And, and look, things change too, I think. No Archer, no leech on the eve of the tournament. Um, there's significant personnel losses for that England team. There's no doubt about that. So uh, Australia uh, pretty much at, at at full selection capacity. Maybe – now <laughs> – I'm not saying this necessarily. It's my opinion, but maybe the Aussies think we don't want to play that way, or we don't have the skills to play. You know, they're, they're, it's a more experienced Australian team compared to the England team. I think, just thinking off the top of my head, certainly the batting. Maybe those players don't want to have to try and change the way they've played where they've been become Test legends. Um, maybe they concede that, but they feel like there's a way to still achieve a result, and 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 they they did prove that.
3: And Gillian, match sharpness uh, is so important. Mm. Look at the Aussies uh, beating India, uh, a really good game of cricket leading into the ashes. England played Ireland, wasn't really much of a contest. uh, And then no cricket in between. A a, a lot of England's players have not been playing red ball cricket, particularly behind the stumps. How important was it for you to just get game practice to make sure you were match sharp for a big game? Yeah, I... It's a good
0: point, Vaughan. You know, I guess it's each individual, you know, has their own way. I mean, MS Dhoni never trained for wicket-keeping at training. He, he just didn't. <laughs> he did no catching, um, you know, but he, he's as efficient, particularly over the sticks, to spinners as anyone around, the way, you know, get affects the stumping. But uh, I needed a lot personally, particularly with keeping. That was the least natural part of my cricketing game, but I needed to hit some balls. But from a wicketkeeping point of view, there's only one of you. You know, there's a, a, a group of bowlers, there's a group of batters, or well, everyone has to bat. There's only one wicketkeeper. And, and I don't want to put the blowtorch on Johnny. It's, it's a risk versus reward selection. And I was the beneficiary of, of a sort of a, you know, a, a period of time where wicketkeepers that batted well and effectively started to get the nod more than the, your straight out old fashioned wicketkeeper. So, um, I can't complain about that system too much, but you know, if it it just, if it gets to a critical point where it's being a bit too costly from the, what you provide with the bat, uh, and that doesn't mean Johnny has to go out of the team. I think he picks himself as a batter. Um, but they might, they might need to down the track. I don't think they need to panic at all. And I, I suspect they won't. I think um, McCullum and Stokes have shown that they're not panic merchants and they're, they're pretty well um, got a lot of belief in the group that they've got and the plans that they've got. But, but yeah, Johnny's come off an injury. Um, He'll he'll be better for the run. And, uh, you know, in the week between now and then, I, I bet he'll, he'll practice his batting, but I bet he does a lot of sharpening up with his weird keeping and, um, and he's he's a talented athlete, so I don't think yeah that's a bit of an aberration. I reckon it's not often that you know three four chances go down behind the stumps that you know, whether they cost a test match they they contribute to the position that England were in. But um, I don't think you can go blaming that just yet.
2: Uh, Gilly, how do you how do you deal with that mentally as a wicketkeeper when you feel that? <laughs> do you go away? Do you just go and have a game of golf and a few? But what do you do?
0: yeah tough as in 2005 uh that was my toughest cricket tour um in 2001 I I got some runs in the first test and then I got a king pair two golden ducks this is in India two golden ducks in one game and then I got knocked over for one and one in the next but 2005 was worse for me so that's saying something about how I was going mentally um you know the game had me by the scruff of the neck uh tactics that that Vaughn and Freddie and co had, had conjured up. Uh, but we get, and that started if my batting felt totally restricted. So then I was putting more pressure on my own wicket keeping to make an impact. And that turned to fell to pieces as well. And uh, I've mentioned this to Vaughn before at Old Trafford. I remember dropping him. He gets 107, you know, he's single figures. I think he gets 170 odd at the end of the day. Um, I just had a, a really tough time of it and mentally it was horrible um the game had totally was suffocating me england was suffocating me and it, it, it it's they're great memories now thinking back about it because that's the beauty of this this sport and touring and all the challenges um i was getting off team buses feeling like everyone in england was looking at me going you're shit you're hopeless you know whatever but of course they're just getting on with their night, but in you, in your mind, you think everyone's mm. assessing you and starts thinking that not only that, and this sounds melodramatic, but that you feel like they're starting to judge you as a person as well. Mm. Oh, not only you shit creator, you shit bike, something like that. So, um, and it's never that bad. It's never that bad. That's all I tell current players. But, um, but yeah, so it's a tough challenge. And <laughs> you know, as soon as you guys remember this, you're out on the field and then you look up on the big screen and you're on the big screen. So you know the commentators are talking about you. So you know the world of cricket that are watching uh, in in this conversation about you uh, and it can spiral out of control. So I I hope for Johnny's sake he's able to get away. It's good that it's sort of seven or eight days till the next one and have a couple of days break, freshen up, um, and then start hitting some balls and sharpen up.
3: And uh, Gilly, you mentioned that he, he probably needs to go and do a bit of sharpening up, up with his wicket-keeping. Anything technically that you, you noticed with Johnny that you would just advise him to, just, just encourage him to do a little bit more of?
0: I'd be, I personally, I'd be doing a lot of work with a tennis ball. I'd be getting someone to hit balls, you know, tennis racket, just so it's soft, slow, just start to get some relaxation in your movement. Ian Healy was the best at this. About teaching, um, getting your, your foundation right. And then if you've got to dive, that, that's, you just back that in as natural ability, but get your foundation right. So s- slower, soft, more supple movements, be it particularly over the stumps. I mean, that stumping, the one off Cam Green, it was, yeah. wasn't it early in the first innings? Um, which would have what had Australia about five or 140. Um, mm-hmm. That was – I mean, that's reasonably regulation, um, but it had a good sight on the ball. It spun a little bit, bounced a little bit, but he was just too stiff. So those sort of – you can do a lot of drills with tennis ball, just inner gloves on, not your keeping gloves, and just try to um, just be really soft. The tennis ball, I say that because if you've got hard hands and you're stiff and rigid, as you know, the tennis ball is just going to bounce straight out. Whereas if you can do a lot of those sort of – and get some rhythm up and some feel – um, I think Johnny would benefit from some a lot of drills like that, and he may well be doing
3: those. I don't know. And what about what about what about on the body? I mean, I mentioned the the, the match practice a wicket keeper's body. You know, you're yeah. bending down, and particularly yeah. on slow, low wicket like we saw at Edgbaston, it, it's it's harder on those kind of decks, isn't it? Because you, you're actually yes. get down and dirty more often, and and, and
2: also. Yeah. Yeah. Also, concentration as well. I mean, five long old
0: days, isn't it? Yeah, that that was a dogfight from the start, wasn't it? Really, even though England was sort of driving the game, uh, so mentally they were probably the slightly more relaxed team for four four and a half days of that game. But still, it's you know any test match as you both know, you get to the last session, day five. That's been a dogfight. That's been a grind. And it is as tough a physical contest as you can imagine. Even Marnus Labashain, who nicked one first ball and didn't get many in the second innings, he still would be physically and mentally exhausted by the end of that game because he's played a lot out mentally sitting there watching the game whilst they were batting. And then he feels a desire to put in more out in the field emotionally, mentally, physically. So, yeah, for Johnny, I mean, he'd been playing a bit of first-class cricket, I think, had he, leading into this for for Yorks, but, um, but still, there's, you can't match. It doesn't matter where you are. I always say, like, in pre-season, you can run a 1,000 miles. You can do all your sit-ups and push-ups. Your first game, even if it's a practice game, remember, boys, how sore you were the next day, how tired you were trying to get through. So, and, then you're in, and then you talk about that physicality, then your intensity. It doesn't matter how many county games you play, how many Sheffield Shield games you play. You step up in class in an Ashes test match of one of the most highly anticipated series, it's going to drain you. It, it does. Mm. It, it's going to happen. And, and again, Johnny will be better for the run by way of example. Of, and a number of
3: those players will be on both sides. Uh, Gilly, can I just bring you to this, uh, this segment of the podcast? It's a very, very yeah. special part of the podcast. It's called All the right. Either, Either, Or. So you have a a judgment to make. Phil, the the master questionnaire, will give you an option of one or the other, and you can only choose one or the other. (laughs) Righto. We'll ease
2: you in gently, Gilly. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Here we go. Ian Healy or Rod Marsh?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You are driving a stake through my heart you, Tuffers. My childhood hero and mentor... In Rod Marsh and another mentor, and a bloke that taught me so much. Jesus. Uh, but so, purely for cricketing terms, who are you going to pick in your team? Yeah. Oh, this does rip my heart out. Ongoing heels. I thought he was through the prime of his career, he was wicket-keeping perfection for a lot of it. But um, from an Australian point of view, uh, yeah, I'll go with heels. Okay, mate, no worries.
2: Um, walk or stand your ground?
0: <laughs> <laughs> nowadays, nowadays, with DRS, I'm standing my ground. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, right, okay. World Cup wins uh,
2: 19, 2003, or 07? Which one, which one stands out for you?
0: Ooh, yeah, all very different tournaments. 99, we were on wood. We beat them, we just beat the might of Scotland in the first game, and then we lost <laughs> to New Zealand and Pakistan. So we we're on wood for the rest of the tournament, and we managed to get the job done. Next one, we had some real tussles. We nearly lost the first match, but Roy got 140 against Pakistan. We had some tight games, but we went undefeated. Last one in 07, we smashed everyone. That's a bit self-indulgent, but we did smash everyone. I think that was the the most fun. That tournament reminded me of why we play cricket, just for fun with a bunch of mates. And if you get the chocolates, it's good. And we did. <laughs> i never got the chocolates. Um, <laughs> here we go. Uh, Glen
2: McGrath or Brett Lee?
0: Oh, I love being up at... Pigeon, every time. Yeah, fantastic bowler. Uh, tequila or gin? <laughs> come on, come on. Don't, don't disrespect me with that second one. Don't <laughs> even think of it. Mate, you know you know what it is, and I know those listening won't see this, but it's a bottle of Casamigos tequila sitting right in front of me, funnily enough. So. You've
1: literally got a yeah. bottle of tequila right there. What time is it in Australia? <laughs> it's tequila time, mate, any time. <laughs> this, this, this is not an either-or question, but I, I was sort of reading about you and I, I just had to ask, is it true that the Boston Red Sox approached you towards the end of your career? <laughs> uh,
0: not the end of my career. Um, that's probably why I didn't. If, there was, if they approached me at the end of my career, I would have said yes, uh, but it was right in the prime of my career, so I wanted to keep pursuing career. Uh, I wouldn't say they approached. I was afforded an opportunity to go and um, hit some balls. The yeah. bloke said go over there and just uh we there was an Australian guy that was on the coaching staff over there and he showed them some videos uh, back in two thousand and three I reckon it was um right. showed them some videos of of cricket and the Australian cricket team and yeah the blokes were sort of were a bit uh, they're always a bit buzzed out about the fact that cricketers catch without mitts we all know that but they were pretty um pretty uh impressed I suppose with a couple of slogs that I tucked away in a game that the video highlights that they saw and Asked if I wanted to go over there and whack a few balls around. So, um, but no, I wasn't. I played one game of baseball when I was in um, in high school, and we we got beaten. We were nine nil down in the third innings, and the mercy rule had to come in because the school bus had to go back to school. So we, we <laughs> left. So I knew I did. I wasn't destined for a major league career. Put it that way.
1: Adam, thank you so much for that. That was brilliant. Uh, enjoy the rest of the series, but maybe not too much. Good on you, mate. Take care, buddy. Uh, we're joined now by the Telegraph's chief cricket correspondent, Nick Holt. Nick, what are the headlines coming out of the camp, uh, and how's the mood? Well, I
4: think it's a very defiant mood. I think that um, talking to the players and and McCullum last night after the game, uh, they feel they did a lot of the right things and just didn't quite get it, but just didn't quite get it right at, at the end, and obviously need to hold their catches better. Um, There's obviously an injury worry over Moen Alley. I suspect he's not going to make it for Lords, from what I'm hearing. Uh, I don't think there'll be an announcement on that until possibly towards the end of the week. Uh, Sounds like Will Jacks is probably favourite to come in um, and replace him in the squad. Whether he plays or not is obviously uh, a a different thing. Uh, Jimmy Anderson, they say he's fully fit. Um, He was available to bowl, but uh, uh, Ben went with Broad. And Robinson instead. Um, and he's going to prepare uh, for the next test by throwing the first pitch at the baseball on Saturday.
3: Robert, Halter, who, who, who's, who's throwing the first pitch? Jimmy Anderson.
4: Jimmy Anderson, yes. So he's at the London Stadium on Saturday. There's baseball there. That's, uh, that's what Jimmy's doing uh, in front of the... Uh, uh, so so he's got good arm, hasn't he, Jimmy? He'll be fine.
2: Yeah, yeah. I wish he'd yeah. the first ball with the new ball. <laughs> <laughs>
4: It'd be interesting when he rubs it on his trousers. Whether that you know that it's just like you know habit ingrained over the years. But um, but no, they're very defiant. England were going to actually train on Sunday at Lords. Originally, they've now pushed it back to Monday. So they were they were going to have three days preparation. They now think they only need two. It's probably just to give them a bit of a rest between games. Um, but yeah, I guess the, the next big news will be whether Moen makes it or not. And it doesn't sound promising for him.
1: Yeah, so that, it's the it's the finger, is it? They just don't think it will heal in time?
4: No. Yes, and basically, if it he does heal, that it'll just rip the skin back off it again as soon as he starts, probably even if he starts netting rather than even before playing. Um, so he probably needs a little bit longer. Um, the old Trafford test, uh, sorry, the Henley test follows soon after. You would think he'd probably
1: be ready for that. Do they uh, face a lot of questions about the best keeping selection
4: uh, a few yeah a few um, but again they are defiant and adamant that he's their he's their man and and uh, and the difference actually for Johnny this time is that in the past. Uh, the the management have not necessarily backed him. Ed Smith was never a massive fan of Johnny Bairstow's when he was a uh, when he was a selector, and and but this time he he's got their hundred percent backing, and and the 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 man, certainly of the management, and I'm sure of the players as well. Uh, they'll be rallying around him. So um, I think that. Again, they were defiant on that decision. I, I, I can't see
1: folks coming back in, I'm, I'm afraid. Uh, have you had a chat with any of the Aussies? They must be, uh, must be cock-a-hoop. <laughs> yes, I think they were slightly stunned by how the
4: week had gone um, and vindicated their approach. Um, and um, I, I think that they feel that, uh, that they were never really taken out of their comfort zone. That seemed to be the message that, uh, that they gave last night
1: great nick thank you so much uh, thanks for joining us and uh, we'll obviously uh, chat again to you next week thank you thanks right that's all for today a big thanks to adam kill chris for joining us uh, my thanks to mike and phil as always if you're new to the podcast mike phil and i will be here every wednesday throughout the summer you can check us out wherever you downloaded this podcast we're also available on youtube via the telegraph's youtube channel If you're in need of an Ashes fix between now and next week, I encourage you to check out our interview with Justin Langer from last week. The former Australia coach was excellent company and he opened up in detail about his departure from the role last year. If you have any feedback for us, it's much appreciated. The address is cricketclub at telegraph.co.uk. We're always very keen to hear from you. We'll be back with you next week. So until then, goodbye.